You're about to hear the Flying Bison crew play a game called Brindlewood Bay, written by Jason Cordova. We had so much fun recording this, and we think you're going to enjoy it too. Uh, we're going to be playing this game and releasing it for the next three weeks, uh, and then the finale of this little campaign will come out on September 9th. That is also the day that we are going to be releasing episode one of season two of the main avatar legends campaign that we are doing we're very excited for you guys to listen to that as well too but in the meantime enjoy our old ladies solving mysteries oh and i should mention too just due to the nature of this game it's a little bit darker than avatar legends not darker scary or um gory or violent just a little disturbing there will be visions and scenes that present what are called void clues, which sort of hint at a darker conspiracy behind the mundane murders the mavens are investigating. So, with that being said, if you're not in the mood for something that's just a little bit more disturbing, then maybe hold off on listening to this or skip it all together. Wait for us to start season two of the flying bison podcast on august 9th anyway i hope that you enjoy listening to the first episode please enjoy the flying bison presents murders and mavens episode one you're about to enter the town of brindlewood bay this small coastal town looks very much like any other in new england full of kitschy stores and little shops all designed to catch the eye of the hundreds of tourists who visit year-round. Imagine autumn leaves rustling the crisp fall wind, summers filled with endless ice cream and laughter, winters made for holiday movies. Many of the residents have spent their entire lives in Brindlewood Bay, their families present at its founding. It's the very definition of idyllic. But its perfection is only a veneer. Six women. In the twilight of their lives, meet each week to bond over their shared love of mystery novels. But all is not as it seems, and these women will soon find themselves at the heart of a mystery all their own, because Brindlewood Bay is a home to many dark secrets. A world of shadow exists right under the very noses of our murder mavens. They may find the clues to solve the string of murders staining their town, but will they find the clues that unlock the secrets of the void itself? Welcome, friends, to Brindlewood Bay. We're about to get spooky up in here. Ooh, oh. <laughs> oh, man. We haven't, uh, for the listeners, you haven't heard us play a game in a few weeks here. But uh, just a couple weeks. We're, we're recording this pretty soon after we recorded the finale, but... Uh, I think it's going to be a while before you hear this, but you're hearing it now. Time is weird. Am I right? You are. Time yeah. is weird. Well, I think yeah. time it's is made weird. Up. It's, it's it is made up. It is and it isn't. We can't perceive. It is made up. You know what's not made up, though? Our newest cast member. <gasps> <gasps> Nikki, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you. I'm glad to it's, be here. It's great to have you. We're excited you're here. Yeah. Uh, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, um, well, I'm Nikki Lee. I am 
mostly a writer. That's what I like to do in my off time, as well as play video games. Um, but I want to be a voice actor, so I want to join in this podcast and have fun with everyone. We're very excited for your talent. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's going to be fun. Well, um, what are we playing tonight? I don't know. Did we not you pick just, a game? You just invited us to, like, into this call, and we all came. <laughs> we already hit record, guys. <laughs> I just brought a lot of dice and notes and stuff. Yeah, I have like 300 oh, D6s. Just... I think we My calendar invite said Monopoly? I was going to say Red Rover, oh my gosh, Red Rover. That'd be terrible to listen to. <laughs> Monopoly <laughs> for No, but we have to RP it. You yeah, we're RP RPing. It as, as we're your, R- your discussion with the landlord. It's robber barons. I'm really sorry. I need to stay here for the night. Can you cut me a deal? Nope. This is Oriental Ave. We have a fixed price. <laughs> Danny, why have mo- you spoken this entire time? I'm the thimble. <laughs> how much for this train track? <laughs> Two hundred dollars because I own them all. Uh, no, we're playing a little game called Brindlewood Bay, written by Jason Cordova, and I'm very excited. Are you guys excited? Yes, extremely yes. Excited. So excited. Yeah, Brindlewood Bay is. I've been telling people that it's Golden Girls meets murder mystery meets Cthulhu, dark horror cosmic mythos, and. It somehow works. It's really fun. So everyone here is going to be playing uh, old women. It sounds yes, like it are. shouldn't work, but it does. It's surprising. Uh, everyone here is going to be playing old women. Uh, mm-hmm. Their kids are gone. Husbands are pa- are gone as well, too. So it's just them. And they are living the way that they want to live. They're filling their time with their hobbies. But one of their hobbies is having a book club with the other player characters in which they read uh, the golden crown mysteries written by Robin, Robin Masterson uh, featuring it's, it's stories about a a woman detective named Amanda Delacourt and and the characters sort of bond together over these mystery books and start to solve mysteries in the town of Brindlewood Bay themselves. As they start to solve mysteries though, they'll start to uncover a deeper conspiracy hidden under all of the murders that they're solving. Very fun. I'm very excited to play. It is powered by the apocalypse as well, too. So there'll be a lot of similar mechanics that if you listen to us playing Avatar Legends, you'll you know, you'll get up, pick up some of it. But it's it its mechanics are focused a little bit more on mystery. One of the fun things about it is that I do not know who the murderer is. Um, I have, will present the situation to you you'll you'll soon meet all the suspects and figure out the places where you can investigate them and investigate the murder but it is through your finding of clues that you as the players will decide who you think the murderer is uh now for this we are going to be running through a pre-written adventure um just because it is so much easier for me to do that and have this set up for me instead of having to to write a mystery. So we're going to be playing Lies and Dolls, or A Very Brief Tenure, and that is written by Sharon Biswas. Um, It's fun. I've read it through a few times. I think you're going to like it a lot. It's very creepy. Let's get into it. Let's go around. I want your 
character's name. You know what? Let's do this. Uh, let's introduce the other players as well, too, because if someone's listening to this for the first time before listening to our Avatar stuff, it might be good to say who we are. I'm Justin. Uh, I, I'm the GM for this, as well as for our main Avatar Legends campaign, uh, which will pick up its second season in just a few weeks. Um, and I'm very excited to run everyone through Brindlewood Bay. What info do you want us to give about our character? Just their yeah, name? Yeah, that's a great. Or? Yes, I, I want, we, haven't done um, that. we haven't done this in a while. I know we haven't done this in so long. <laughs> uh, I want your character's name. I want. Uh, well, I want your name. Uh, I want your character's name. Uh, give me just like a real, like brief, like two to three sentence description of who they are, uh, and I want to know what your character's greatest regret is in life. All right, I'm Steve. I will be playing Dr. Eleanor Schwab. She is a very stern, severe-looking woman with an almost permanent purse-lipped pucker on her face. And um, her greatest regret is that she got the silver Olympic medal for the pole vault, but not the gold. And it haunts her a little bit. And what else did you want, Justin? Sorry. No, that's 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 it. That's great. Awesome, awesome. But she still got it, y'all. She still got it. Mm-hmm. Uh, my name is Monroe, and I play Bernice Beulah Blau. She's never worked a day in her life, and she's currently on her eighth husband, Leonard. Uh, but she also has a pomeranium named Blanche. Now, uh, her biggest regret is that uh, she does have two ex-husbands who have died, and the one that she regrets not telling that she loves is her ex-husband Tobias. The only man she's ever loved. She was married to him and never said she loved him. Loved because he's dead now. He's not, he's not dead. It's said like they've died. Right, but but she never told him. Yeah, that's that's sad. That's a big yeah. regret. I feel I feel that regret, Bernice. If my wife of only four years had already not told me she loved me, I would, she would already not be my wife. <laughs> Stay married. Have you met an emotionally closed off person? Why do you think Bernice has got these so many husbands? (laughs) Fair enough. She's not that good at sharing her feelings, guys. Just (laughs) let up. I am Johnny. Uh, I'm playing uh, Margaret Stanton. Um, That's that's her voice. Um, She is a retired high school principal. Her greatest regret is not taking a professorship at Yale when it was offered to her. All right, well, I already introduced myself, but I'll, um, I'm Nikki Lee again, and my character is Maxine Lewis. Uh, she worked as an art um, teacher for a while and loves to paint, and she does kind of regret, like, her biggest regret would be that she didn't be- make herself um, something more as an artist. Interesting. You know, I just realized, uh, were you an art teacher at the high school that Margaret Stanton is was the principal of probably yeah yeah that makes sense a high school art teacher um hi i'm danny i'm playing as doris weber a um very small old woman riddled with suspicion constantly and i think her biggest regret is probably giving in to those suspicious obsessive like tendencies and in turn um driving First, her late husband, then her daughter uh, Michelle, to um sort of cut herself off from her. So 
Although it's not spoken, she she misses her daughter very much, and she doesn't know how to rekindle that relationship. Dang. I'm starting to see why Bernice and Doris are best friends. <laughs> a lot left unsaid. Yeah, they both have a lot of walls up, and they both keep it that way when they're with each other. They're you can just kind of keep your castles next to each other. <laughs> the walls just climb on top of each other. Uh, I'm Nicholas Coblin. I play. I'm going to be playing uh, Constance Yang. Her, she goes by Oni, though. Um, she's a just persnickety old Chinese woman. Uh, short black hair, like kind of in a bob. Usually smoking. Usually wearing a red tracksuit. A little chubby, but uh, she'll notice it more on someone else before she, she ever admits that to herself. Um, <laughs> she. Uh, <laughs> Her greatest regret, uh, Oni doesn't have regrets, but um, it, like her actual regret would probably be like um, not getting closer to her daughters um, because they don't really talk anymore. But she would never, Oni would never say that she had her regrets. So we have three people with incredible walls on them. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be, this will be fun. This is going to be fun. Seems appropriate for that generation. <laughs> Let's break down these walls, guys. By the, the end walls of the down. by the end of the fourth episode, <laughs> all the walls will be gone, completely demolished. Never shattered. Uh, yeah, I don't think not with these girls. They're very set in their ways. <laughs> we need like twenty episodes for that, Danny. Yeah. <laughs> and a near death experience. It's like a season each, honestly. It's true. It's true. Come on. Well, uh, should we get into it? Yeah. We're going to we're going to start off this mystery these these four episodes with uh, I'm going to have each of you narrate a uh, what's called a cozy scene. So each of you has a cozy activity or a, a cozy hobby that each of your characters does. Uh, we're going to go around and I want to I want you to give us and the listeners just a, a brief peek into your character's life through the lens of their cozy activity. We're going to start with Margaret Stanton, and I am going to set that up for uh, Johnny and Margaret, just because Margaret has a move that lets her have these creepy visions that start to let them into the deeper conspiracy behind these murders. Johnny, I want you to tell us, what does Margaret's house look like? So she's got like a, a small, uh, like Cape Cod style, uh, two bedroom house. Uh, you walk in the front door and you're in, in the living room and there's kind of like an open concept, like straight to the kitchen in the back of the house. And then there's a set of stairs to your right as you walk in that goes up to the bedrooms and under the stairs, there's a door that leads to like a small office that's on the first floor, but that's pretty much all there is to it. Perfect. So we see like a, a wide shot of that house. Beautiful, you know, picket fence. And we start zooming in to the large front window outside of the living room. We keep zooming in. And through the kitchen, we can see Margaret is just flitting back and forth through the kitchen. She's grabbing uh, 
tools and baking supplies and food. Her, her apron is billowing as she runs past. And as we keep zooming into the kitchen proper, uh, what pie is Margaret baking today? Oh, she's actually baking two pies at the moment. She's got a boysenberry and an apple side by side that she's working on. That's great. Very talented woman, that Margaret in her pies. We see a smash cut, like Edgar Wright style, of Margaret like pulling out the dough and rolling it, and putting it on the pie pan, filling it with the boysenberries and the apples, and putting it into the oven. And then we hear the ding as the timer on the oven goes off. And uh, Margaret pulls out both pies. They're steaming, and they fill up the room with this decadent smell. And then there's a ring at the doorbell. Margaret and you go to the door you open it and it's your next door neighbor Mrs. Sawyer she you know she comes over occasionally just to see how you're doing it's a little frustrating but you know that she means well what can what can I help you with dear Mrs. Sawyer slowly walks into the house and says oh just coming to check up on you and unbidden you hear yourself say Get a cup, come in and have some fresh pie. It just came out from the oven. Mrs. Sawyer slowly turns to you and goes, Of course, that sounds delightful. She follows you into the kitchen. Margaret, you go to the cabinet and open the door and grab two clean pie plates, utensils, and these cute little napkins that have embroidered, cartoony-looking pies on them. Are you okay? Do you need anything? Just I just wanted to, to check up on you, you hear Mrs. Sawyer say. And you begin cutting into the pie, but your attention is directed at Mrs. Sawyer. And the words come out again without you saying them as if you're just watching yourself. You know, I, I hate it when you do that. Lay the pretense down and just say you're here to ensure I'm doing fine by myself. And you say this as you hand her a plate with a slice of pie on it as time just slows down. Mrs. Sawyer looks at her pie and lets loose an ear-piercing scream. The scream echoes through the kitchen and Mrs. Sawyer drops the plate and it tumbles down to the ground in slow motion. It shatters on your kitchen floor into a million pieces and... Instead of your floor being covered in boysenberry filling, you look and crawling out of the crust of your pie and spread across the floor are hundreds of pulsating pupae. You look at the embroidered napkins you laid down and every single picture of the pie is cut open and shows the same squelching larvae cascading from the pie. And then you notice something. The screaming has stopped. You look up at Mrs. Sawyer. She's no longer screaming. She's just grinning widely at you. She stares at you, somehow a fresh piece of pupae pie on her plate in her hand. Eat your pie, Margaret. And with a blinding speed, she lunges at you and you wake up in your bed. Oh my gosh, I can't listen to our own show. I thought this was going to be fun. <laughs> oh, I'm man. gagging and crying. This is oh. terrifying. 
I don't want any pie. Can we go back to the fun Avatar times? <laughs> I actually love this stuff. <laughs> Monroe's like as calm as ever. Like, oh, this is relaxing. Monroe's just like, yes, yes. <laughs> More pie. So Margaret, uh, Margaret reaches over and on her, on her bedside table, uh, there is a uh, landline, of course. And uh, she picks it up and from memory, uh, dials uh mrs or dr schwab's phone number what is it dear it, uh, i just had the, the most terrible dream and i'm wondering if you have any of those uh, uh stress relieving pills you gave me last time you'll have to be more specific w- which one would you like the the red the yellow the small ovalish white ones the, i also have herbals it was white and ovular Ah, oh, yes. Uh, very well. Shall we meet at the book club? Yes, yes. That sounds like a good plan. Good, good. I believe it's already scheduled. So, I'll see you there. Yes. Margaret hangs up and just kind of... She, she pulls out a journal and like writes down the, the dream so that she doesn't forget it. Um, but then she just goes about getting herself ready. And you have found your very first void clue. Who's next? Who wants to, to narrate a, a, a cozier scene? <laughs> cozier than that? Cozier I think it's easy that. to transition to Schwab <laughs> at that point. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what is, tell us, what, what is Dr. Schwab's cozy activity? Tea time. Tea time. Um, perhaps, maybe I suggest instead of waiting until uh, the book club... Um, Perhaps uh, Margaret comes over and you have tea together. Okay, that's fine. Maybe she's uh, feeling anxious enough to just hurry the process. Yeah. Okay. Well, Dr. Schwab puts the phone down and uh, sits calmly on an ornate upholstered chair. It has a purple paisley pattern, uh, which is a delicate counter to her own floral house dress. Her posture is immaculate, her shoulders set back, her fingers bridged in contemplation. Before her sits a steaming kettle um, and two cups, one for herself, to be sure, and another, the purpose of which is less clear. (laughs) Perhaps it is always there. Uh, Her sharp green eyes stare out the window and she waits for a time, almost as if expecting something. And uh, a few moments pass, and you hear a knock on your door. I knew you wouldn't wait. Come in. I, I simply couldn't thank you, dear. Now, what was this about again? What has you all, uh, your nerves? What is wrong? It was, I was dreaming about baking pies, as I do, and um, Mrs. Sawyer came over to, to check on me, as, as she does. You know how much I hate it when she comes over, but she came over anyway. And dreadful so I off- woman, that Mrs. Sawyer, yes. Go so on. nosy. But I offered her some pie, and she cut into it, and it was, it was full of, of disgusting grubs. Oh, my. And, and it, it, then she, she forced me to eat some. It was, it was quite horrible. This sounds not much worse than her regular visits, wouldn't you say, Margaret? I mean, it, it was worse by orders of magnitude in, in some ways, but in, in others, uh, more or less the same. Well, better that it's this and not stressing about that Yale nonsense again. I don't want to hear any of it. Sit down. Oh, fine. 
Here are the things you requested, and here's a little special something we can put in your tea. I'm having the same thing myself, don't fret. <laughs> thank you, thank you so much, Doctor. I, I, I do so appreciate you always being willing to uh, supply us with these things on a moment's notice. Well, don't tell the others this, but I have nothing else to do, so bloody well make use of our time. <laughs> Your secret's safe with me. And she just starts sipping the tea. Uh, Dr. Schwab uh, turns to her wall, which is just covered in jars. It's essentially a bookcase spanning the length of her den wall, just covered in jars of various dried things, leaves, roots, <laughs> and she makes a tincture and uh, distributes it appropriately and then wafts some of the lovely steam. Her shoulders soften just a little bit and she says, ah, this will do for our afternoon. And the two of you uh, continue chatting and partaking in Dr. Schwab's Miracle Elixir. <laughs> uh, who's up next? What? Uh, tell us what your character's cozy activity is and give us a little, little tasty scene. So, Bernice, what time is it by, by chance, Justin? Like, is it, it can evening? Be, it can be daytime? whatever time you want it to be. Oh, so this isn't the same day? Um, no, these are just scenes showing your cozy activity, sort of your, your normal everyday life here in Brindlewood Bay, so they can be set whenever they want. Okay, so let's have it be the evening. Um, the sun is right at that twilight hour where it's not shooting you in the eyes, but it's nice and the sky is nice and blue. And, but of course, Bernice wouldn't know that because she has the drapes closed all the time because the sun gives her a headache. So she right now is sitting in her living room. That is, she has like light beige carpet, but very, very heavy chestnut, dark wooden furniture. Like if you were to bump into it and step your toe, you might actually break it. It's just very, it's there to stay mm. and it has purpose. And um, her sofas, however, are probably just as cozy as she is because they're all covered in plastic. So if you sit in it, <laughs> your skin will stick to it and um, it'll probably leave a mark on there too. So you kind of see little handprints on like little, <laughs> on, the, on the sides. And you also see like food handprints from a, her husband Leonard it's because uh, he's a messy eater and that's the reason why she has the plastic gotta keep the couches good mm-hmm uh, which makes her miss Tobias a little bit more um, and while she's sitting in this very comfortable sofa she is sitting in like a, a robe that's also covering the layers of food, uh, food layers of clothing that she's wearing she also has a cup of wine and this is always red because sometimes her teeth get stained with it but she doesn't drink anything else just red wine while she watches cheap tv and i'm gonna say it right now she's watching the kardashians yes good <laughs> and she decides to get up and she looks at she looks out her window she kind of pops a little peek over and she's up high because her living room would be you have to climb stairs to get to it so she can see right over into the neighbor's yard 
and she sees someone watching another neighbor, very small woman, her best friend, and she just shakes her head. Oh, that Doris. And I guess that we can move on to Doris, that way it's kind of smooth. Yeah, no, that's great. We see, we start zooming in on that house and peeking out of a window way up on like the attic of their house. We just see like a set of two eyes and they're enlarged by binoculars. <laughs> so Doris, we, we see her um, holding her tiny little binoculars in one hand while holding a um, uh, like a pot for watering plants in the other. And she's watering some of her um, <laughs> succulents on her on her like windowsill while she's looking at this neighbor's yard and shaking her head as she watches these meddling children play with their dog and their playground in the backyard having so much fun they must be up to something and she just those kids Doris you're watching them and they're pl- these these kids are playing with their dog and they'll like toss a ball and the dog will like trample over a bunch of like really pristine bushes and shrubbery in the backyard kids don't care at all can't they take any example of how welcome, well-camped I keep my garden? I swear, every time I even tell them to keep it down or control that wild beast of theirs, I swear. Well, well she uh, puts her binoculars away and finishes watering her succulents on her windowsill. Um, at which point she probably goes down into her backyard to continue her daily business of going out and maybe grabbing her hose with the uh, sprayer nozzle and watering some of her um you know various veggies and like flowers out out back do uh do people normally water their plants when the sun's going down is the sun going down sun's going down yeah you can do an evening watering sure. absolutely yeah. Yeah. i know nothing about plants depends on the yeah. on the weather conditions you, you anticipate <laughs> i mean you can pour water on anything at any time that's a johnny that's a fair point is that johnny is that a proverb are you just quoting something right now the, <laughs> you can pour water on anything at any this point. is actually the opposite of the avatar universe when the moon's coming out water does not work uh yeah those those uh those night plants need their their mm. nightly water. Her night lilies and night roses. <laughs> right next to her night cucumbers. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a, an evening garden. No, yes. you, but Doris walks out and it's just this like beautifully manicured and kept garden. There's just like tons of variety and homegrown vegetables mm-hmm. and fruits and just like beautiful flowers. Um, it's riddled with um pink swans and garden gnomes everywhere it's like it's very interesting because it's like this elegant garden and then juxtaposed next to these like super trashy like gardening decor like Mm. like doris has great taste in plants but terrible taste in like gardening decor like garden decoration yeah no she yeah she buys anything on sale and just slaps (laughs) it in her yard All right, and uh, the scene closes, and uh, either Oni or Maxine. I'm sure I will go. Um, Maxine is currently in um, her little study. It used to be her husband's study, but she's kind of taken it over with her art supplies. They're spread out everywhere. Um, It's 
kind of a mess that only she can navigate. Uh, right now, she is working on a painting. Instead of her usual landscape paintings, this is one of a violin that is hollowed and um, the strings are rusty, are breaking apart. Um, it's rotting, being t- overtaken by vines and weeds. And as she's stepping back, looking at it, trying to decide if she likes it or not, her cat comes over and sits on the stool, rubs up against her, wanting some pets. Oh, oh Puck, what do you think of this? I think it's good enough for now. Uh, she decides that maybe she's been a little too long on this and she decides to take a break. Oh, I just wish my my dear little Meredith had kept the violin. It would have been so nice to hear her play again. Yes, I know, I know. We should probably get to that book club soon, huh? The cat jumps off your lap. Well, so Maxine starts gathering up the paint supplies. Good enough for her. Doesn't have to be perfect. Um, Making sure that there's no paint sitting out at least. And... Uh, packing up her sketchbook and pen so that she's ready for whatever they might talk about at the book club. Wonderful. And last but not least, Oni. What is Oni's cozy activity? Uh, Oni's cozy activity, um, it's something she always likes to do before book club. It's uh, She goes to the to the uh, Mahjong club, and uh, which I, I'd imagine is at like a library or something. Uh, she is smoking. Um, and somebody is walking around and there's only three people at her table, including her. And she sees the person. She's like, what? You going to play or what? Sit down. Uh, Okay. Uh, I don't know how to play Mahjong. That's fine. I'll teach you. You got to put money down though. Uh, And you got cash? uh, Frantically, this, this old woman's like pulling out her wallet and just like putting like dollar bills on the table. Yeah. You can't play Mahjong without money. Uh, okay. Uh, do I play this tile? She puts just like a tile on the board. Yep. Uh, this person made a mistake. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> only yeah. plays them, plays them for a fool, and uh, <laughs> destroys everybody at the table. <laughs> takes as much money as you can, and then goes to book club. I like to. Uh, how how big is the mahjong club here in Brindlewood Bay? Not huge. It's mostly old like Chinese ladies, which yeah, you know, and not that many. And, uh, you know, every once in a while, I'm sure, like, you know, maybe a young couple, like, shows up and only immediately takes them apart. Or, like, one of one of, some other, like, you know, older people want to try it out and they just have a terrible time. <laughs> just, like, the worst kind of gatekeeping for an activity. <laughs> so Oni is basically her activity is hustling. Her cozy activity is hustling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, she likes to just play it, but she... Her you, her her belief is that you cannot play mahjong without putting down some money, and also you can't really play it right unless you have four players. So those are both things true about mahjong. At least the four players thing. It's a much better game with four players. We have one of those like cute like fade outs with like this soft choral music in the background, uh, and it fades up. It, it, it's bright. And sunny, the the sun is high up in. Uh, it's like just starting to crest over the bay. Um, it's Sunday, and that means 
that the fish market is happening. All the fishermen go out, catch tons of fish, bring them back. Uh, And the six of you have a habit of uh, wandering through the fish market. There's only so much to do in Brindlewood Bay. It's a small coastal town in Massachusetts. And uh, so you kind of do the same thing every week. So the six of you, uh, you don't all have to be together at the fish market, but most people will go to the fish market at some point during that day. Now, there is one of you, though, that every, every week you try to buy shrimp. And every week there's no more shrimp left. Which one of you is most likely to be the one that is always trying to buy shrimp? Uh, I will say probably Maxine. Okay. Maxine, you go up to uh, the fish vendor, and lo and behold, they have a ton of shrimp left. Oh, I'm going to take uh, a lot of that, uh, quite a number of that shrimp. Can you pack it up for me, please? Oh, I'd love to. Normally, the uh, owners of the seaside bed and breakfast buy all my shrimp. I don't, I don't. They're not here though, so I guess here you go. Oh, I thank you so very much. Uh, it'll be in good hands with me. Uh, and there's like a little lady that like walks up and she's like, "I heard that the police have closed the bread and breakfast down. Something about a murder or something." Murder. Really? What what sort of murder happened? What happened there exactly? Do you know? Well, you didn't hear this from me, but I heard that a corpse was found in the Museum of Brindle Dolls. In Brindle Dolls? Yes, you know that tiny place that houses that historic collection of locally made dolls? Apparently, did you hear about the uh, school field trip that came into town just a few days ago? I did. Something happened with that? Yes, the the professor, James, he was found, at least that's a rumor anyway, he was found dead in the Museum of Brindle Dolls. Oh, terrible. I mean... Can you imagine Dr. Chanel Brown and that that handsome scholar, Dr. Subramanyam, oh, walking in on that dead body? I hope he wasn't too distressed seeing that. that would, oh, yes. I imagine it must have been horrible. Terrible. Well, well, apparently they're all stuck now in the seaside bed and breakfast as they're being questioned by the sheriff's deputies. At the very least, they'll have that wonderful view. Wait a second. Don't you have that little murder club? Oh, yes. I I was just heading to that now. We're a book club, though. Well, but you read about murders. Yes, but we're a book club. Would you like to join? I can recommend these books to you. Mm. Oh, I don't read anything that's not fantasy. Uh, what a shame you're really missing out on all the fun. Anyway, uh, thank you so much for the uh, information. I've got some fish to buy and this little woman waddles off. All right, well, 
Maxine gathers her shrimp and heads to like starts recording in her sketchbook all that she learned as she heads to the book club. All right, Maxine, you head to the book club, and uh, all of your friends are there as well too. Well, looks like I'm the last one to arrive. How's it been going? You got the shrimp. I do. I also oh. have some information for all of you. It seems there's been a new murder. Yes. Oh, I mean, oh, horrible. Did, did you already know, Doris? No, no, I'm... It's finally something exciting is happening. Oh, peculiar. Well, yes. Let's get on with it. Yes, yeah, so it was a professor named James that was coming on a field trip from out of town. He died at the Brindlewood Doll Museum, and there are... Was it curators that are now being questioned? Yeah, so the the students are being held at oh. the Seaside Bed and Breakfast. Uh, there are three students, and then the curator of the museum and the visiting scholar were the ones that found the body. But these are these are high school students. These are high school students, correct? All right. Uh, the students are currently being held at Seaside Bed and Breakfast for questioning, but uh, the curator is the one that found the body. Not sure if the students were with him when he died. Interesting. Not the worst place to die. Personally. Just an opinion. For, Moving on. <laughs> for, for clarification. <laughs> there was another scholar? Yes, so there is a, a visiting scholar that's been helping the curator. So the curator is Dr. Chanel Brown. And the visiting scholar is Dr. Subramaniam. <laughs> uh, that's the person who died? Dr. James Edward is the person who died. And it's Chanel Brown with an N, Brown. right? Yes, yeah. Brown, okay. not Brown. Cool. Yes. Yep. As you're discussing this, too, um, w- one of you has heard a weird rumor or folktale or ghost story about the Museum of Brindle Dolls or its curator, Dr. Chanel Brown. I feel like that's got to be Doris. What is Molly? Doris sees and hears everything. (laughs) Um, A rumor, like a folklore story about the dolls? A weird weird rumor, a folktale, or a ghost story, either about the Museum of Brindle Dolls or its curator, Dr. Chanel Brown. Well, the the interesting thing about um that Chanel that that Brown character is um I've I've heard I've heard talk around town that Museum of Brittle Dolls or whatever it is uh, is not all what it seems. Some say that she 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 has a, an, a, a strange hobby of putting the souls of past children into those dolls. And keeping them prisoner in those porcelain cages for the ages that they sit there. But yeah, that's just what I heard, you know. Doctor Schwab rolls her eyes. <laughs> that's stupid. But isn't it wonderful for all the children in town that that's nothing but fiddle faddle? Yes, they're just dolls. Or is it? And uh, Doris kind of like fiddles with her binoculars and smiles. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Bernice just sips her wine. <laughs> that sounds like a rather intriguing rumor. Constance has a uh, a full shrimp cocktail. Um, <laughs> just has it now. She's <laughs> very happy that the shrimp was there. 
<laughs> she's not, not even eating thing. it. She's just admiring it. <laughs> uh, she's just been holding it so long Finally. it's warm. Not even <laughs> <at her point. laughs> What do you all decide to do? Let's go try to look at the body. Personally, I don't want to see yeah. a body, but I think that we have no recourse but to go and check this out for ourselves, right? Yes. Don't you want to solve yes, it? Yes, I say we head to the doll museum. Yes, I, I think our reading of, of, you know, of of these books have only taught us to not let mysterious mishappenings like this pass us by. We must... We've already solved at least three murders. Yes, let's make this a fourth. So, you... Go to the Museum of Brindle Dolls. It is uh, on a hill overlooking the rest of town. You get there and uh, the uh, police have obviously, the local police have obviously like cordoned off the scene. Uh, and they are not letting people in. Doris, you're small. You can go in there. <laughs> <laughs> Margaret walks right up to whatever. I'm assuming there's one one uh, officer kind of posted at the yeah. uh, entry or something. It's, it's a small so, town. There's just, yeah. A, yeah. So she'll, she'll walk up to him and she'll say, good day, officer. Um, I, we would like entry if you don't mind. Sorry, no can do the museum's closed. There's been a, an accident. I understand. You know that we know that there's been a murder and you know who we are. And I think just the sheriff would let us in. Where's the sheriff? You well, know who we are. I, I do. You aren't. You haven't been given permission to investigate. You're going to murder. make me do it, boy. You know what? Fine. And uh, Margaret pulls the the microphone part of her uh, <laughs> megaphone that's on her side up yeah, to her yeah. mouth. It just puts up to, and just starts saying, "Sheriff, Sheriff, it's Mrs. Stanton. Come outside immediately." I was trying <laughs> to tell you he's he's currently questioning. Put that put that away. Stop yelling in my ear, Sheriff. No, he's not here. He's questioning the students at the bed and breakfast. Well, then just let us in and we'll tell him later that we came I, in and he'll, no, there won't I, be any issue. I, I can't do that. During this commotion, can I, uh, <laughs> Doris would like to try something. So she has a knack for passing by unnoticed because mm -hmm. people tend to keep their vision at uh, eye level, which is <laughs> sure, at their heads. Yeah. yeah. And Doris's head is typically not at the typical person's eye level. But if there's ever children, you just watch it, Danny. Yeah, any of these gods are children. Ooh. <laughs> Doris is in trouble. So <laughs> probably while um, Margaret is speaking through a megaphone, Doris will just try <laughs> just little this pitter pattering right between them into the museum. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, this this sounds like our first move. Okay. Uh, so Brindlewood Bay has uh, basically one move to cover any sort of risky thing that you, you do during the day. Uh, so we're going to do the day move. Uh, when you do something risky or face something you fear, name what you're afraid will happen if you fail or you lose your nerve. And then roll with an appropriate ability. So you get to kind of tell me what ability you think uh, fits this role. But first, you got to tell me what you fear will happen. Uh, if you fail. Well, ultimately, I fear that um, Doris trying to just waltz her way into this museum uh, will in turn end up when you're getting caught, and it'll be even harder to investigate this um, this case further. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. 
That makes and, sense. And Justin, I know there's no uh, help mechanic necessarily, but is there a possibility to kind of do a narrative assist? Ah, you absolutely can narratively assist. All right. Would you like me to describe that now, or should we let him go first? Um, since I mean, since you can describe it now, sure. Okay. Since there isn't any mechanical benefit to it. Dr. Schwab kind of casts uh, an eye over to Doris, seeing her prepare her stance. I know the pitter-patter stance very well. <laughs> she sort of like, Doris always does this like her, um, her quintessential like shimmy a little bit when she's getting ready to. <laughs> yes. Like doing yes, a kind of. I know, I know sneaking, that shimmy. Hiding in plain sight. Mm, yes. yes. <laughs> and Dr. Schwab walks up to the officer, uh, looks at his name tag. What does it say? Uh, it says, uh, Rick Stanton. As in related to Margaret? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> it's actually Margaret's nephew. We don't tell people in public, so... but... Um... <laughs> no wonder you were trying to go all bold and brazen with Rick. Anyway. <clears throat> yes, well, uh, she leans in and squints at his name tag. Rick yeah, I have been hoping at least to make something on this opportunity. I've walked all the way out here, and, uh, well, I was wondering if a dashing young man such as yourself could give your opinion on my latest perfume. <laughs> I, would you indulge me? Uh, <laughs> Margaret, uh, what is Rick's relation to, to you? Uh, we have the same last name. That's it. <laughs> no, I actually was going to say, I think that um, assuming that the high school I was principal of is yeah, yeah, relatively yeah. local, I think that she was his English teacher before she became principal, so she uh, knows okay. him from, from school. Yeah, I'm sure you know most a lot of the people here. He's like, uh, I, uh, your perfume? Yes, I, I, I would just like your opinion on the scent of my perfume. All right. Just tell okay. me if a young man would be interested in this sort of thing. I I don't know. I'm not, not very Don't be touch. rude, Richard. Go on. All right. <laughs> and very he like good. Leans, leans down. Uh, Doris, why don't you go ahead and roll the day move? All right. Um, I also have a maven move called Tom Hansen, and it reads, you can easily pass for someone much younger. <laughs> I don't know if that would be. I I was looking at Tom Hansen. I just cop isn't gonna let an old lady in, but a child. But a child, absolutely. I guess this is more just straight up sneaking. Where are your parents, small child? No, no, don't worry about it. Just head on. Get on in there, kid. I guess this is more just straight up sneaking. Dead body. Have a good time. I I do not believe that being younger in this situation would provide you a benefit. Yeah. Uh, So it is just a straight two d six. Uh, yes. But you got to tell me what what um what uh, stat are you rolling with? What do we what do you think? I think composure would make the most sense. I could I, get behind that because I think she would have to keep a calm disposition to just confidently walk right through this sure. um, commotion being caused by Margaret and Rick. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. I shall roll the day move with composure. That is an eight. Alright, on a 7 to 9, the Keeper will tell you how your actions would leave you vulnerable. You can choose to back down or go through with it. (laughs) You will sneak past Rick, but he will see you. 
He will not have time to stop you from running into the museum by yourself, but he will stop the rest of them. So you will be in the museum by yourself. Do you want to continue? Is this a good time to tell you what's in the perfume? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) What was in the perfume, Steve? Papaver somniferum. uh, Opium. Oh, no. Poppies. Poppies. Lots of poppies. In small amounts, it causes pain relief, sedation, euphoria. Sure. At, at the very least, relaxation. Uh, let me let me change this then. This is still an officer of the law. They often try drugs and know what the effects are as part of their training. So the vulnerable thing now, you've tied yourself up into this. Doris will definitely be alone in the Museum of Brindle Dolls because Rick will recognize that you've tried to drug him. It is laced with something. <laughs> he knows perfume does not relax someone like that. <laughs> so he won't be able to arrest you because he can't prove it, but he will definitely not let the rest of you in. Blast. Also, are the rest of us now high on opium because we're like near her? <laughs> nah, I just, I, just, I just fritzed it close to him. It's all good. It's not that powerful. <laughs> so Doris, do you, do you want to go through with this or do you want to back out? I think Doris would go through with it. Pitter patter, okay. pitter patter, pitter patter. Just pitter patter. <laughs> if um Rick says anything, she sort of just like waves her hand in a shooing motion behind her and just keeps walking. That's a hundred percent. That's a hundred percent. What happens is uh, Rick sort of feels your vibrations and is like, "Hey, you can't!" And then he like stops his sentence for a moment and turns back around, and there's like a little bit of slurring in his speech. He's like. That was not perfume. I assure you it was. It is an experiment, but it is perfume. Mm, I think you're obstructing justice right now. And I will definitely not be letting the rest of you in. And he pulls out a walkie-talkie and says, I'm going to need some backup at the entrance of the Museum of Brindle Dolls. This is absurd. Let's go, ladies. As uh, Maxine leans down to her cat, is like, go with Doris. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, Doris, you are <laughs> pitter pattering into the museum of Brindle Dolls, and all of a sudden, a cat. You see Puck, like, go in front of you <laughs> and, like, j- jump on your shoulder. What the? Oh. That's Maxine's feline. Oh. All right. You'll have to do as a companion. Those other ladies got caught. All right, let's go. Uh, what, what's in the museum? <laughs> well, Doris, creepy is an understatement. Uh. Lining the walls of this museum are just shapes, various shapes and sizes and materials of just these blank staring dolls just staring straight at you just you know judging you silently uh what doll do you remember from your childhood um what what what, 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 what? just think all the way back (laughs) all the way back (laughs) 
no, <laughs> these, millennia ago. These dolls have uh, impact. <laughs> Use the What's move the to old? seem younger so you have to think back less. Yes, yes. <laughs> what doll from my childhood? I've got like, so many dolls on That's two. What's the name of um what's the name of those dolls? They're like made of cloth. Like little like they're girl dolls. Raggedy Ann. Like, Cabbage cloth, Patch. And they have like the red woven Raggedy hair. Raggedy Ann. Raggedy Ann, yeah. Probably a Raggedy Ann doll. Okay. But like extra uh, raggedy. Extra raggedy. Uh, there is Ratchet Ratchet Ann. I was gonna say actually, there's um in a glass case in the middle, you see a very used and raggedy and doll, ratchet, raggedy and doll, because <laughs> this is actually uh, the raggedy Ann of the daughter of one of the founders. So it's been here for a very long time. Like one of its eyeballs is like just out and on a string and the other one is just staring directly at you. That is exceptionally unsettling, Puck, wouldn't you say? Don't speak. We're being stealthy. Now, follow me. Um, She's going to just walk past it all. Every now and then, like, taking a side glance at it and ignoring the goosebumps that's very evident on the back of her neck. This doll is, like, the centerpiece of, like, the... There are, the there are a number of like more uh, because it's the the doll of the daughter of one of the founders. It's uh, a centerpiece. There are multiple. All right, and um, what's his name? James was murdered here in the museum, correct? Correct. All right. I'm guessing we never heard which room specifically he was murdered in. There is a single room. Surprisingly, the museum of Brindle dolls is not. Very big. Uh, so as you're looking around, you can see there is a chalk line of where the body was. Mm-mm, that must have been where the body was. <laughs> um, we have solved murders before. <laughs> no, this is perfect. <laughs> I know that's why I'm just saying this is why reminded we're, of the viewers. we're good at this. <laughs> we're experienced. <laughs> Excellent deduction. <laughs> I wish I could be there to help you, oh Doris. All right, carry on. <laughs> She's very unsettled by these dolls, you know. They all have the garden gnomes she keeps all have this um a pleasant stature to them, whereas these dolls so oh, seem like they're out to murder her um so the bot so there's one room in this museum correct and there's the body was was laid out just like in the middle of this room correct yes i guess she's just going to look around for anything it's basically just display cases of dolls yeah it sounds like you are triggering the meddling move yes i want to meddle on uh, what, um, let's see. So the metal move, when you search for a clue, conduct research, or otherwise gather information, describe how you're doing so and roll with an appropriate ability. So what is Doris doing? So specifically, I want to search for, Doris wants to search for any kind of clue. 
Maybe she goes up to certain display cases or the chalk outline itself and uses her like binoculars as like a detective with a magnifying glass and like looks at things a little closer. <laughs> um, maybe she nudges Puck to maybe sniff something out, like Puck, go go smell that ratchet hand. Tell me, tell me what you learn, even though I can't understand you, but that's okay. You're a okay. smart cat. What uh? What do you think? What What do you think? Uh, stat she's been using. I want to say um reason. I, I feel like I that makes the most that. sense. Yeah, reason makes sense. Mm-hmm. All right. That is a oh, eleven man. plus one for a twelve. Oh yes, I was really hoping someone would roll a twelve on a metal move, because on a twelve plus, not only do you find a clue. You also find a void clue. Yes! Ooh. Not in the doll museum! No! Oh, yes. <laughs> in the doll museum! Even though Annabelle, Annabelle was kind of a poorly made movie with terrible pacing and storytelling, it was still especially terrifying to me because I hate dolls. I hate <laughs> dolls! Doris, you're looking around and um, you actually... Uh, it's so high up for you. So you don't normally look here. But you look at the ceiling above where the body was. And you see that it looks like one of the uh, tiles in the ceiling has been moved. And it looks like there's something like shiny, maybe pokey almost that's like jutting out from it. And if you send Puck up to like look at it or kind of like jump off of a, uh, maybe Puck like jumps off of one of the centerpieces and like grabs it, he pulls down. Uh, Puck is a girl or a guy? A uh, guy. Okay. Puck pulls down, uh, he, he grabs it and lands on his feet like cats do, uh, and pulls down this roll of sturdy wire used in doll making. Hmm curious and then you're looking and there's a there's an office right for the curator sort of off of the main hall and in that hallway is a painting and it's just grabbing your attention and you start to walk towards it and it's a painting of like a a forest like a wooded field there's a bunch of woodland creatures that are jumping and frolicking. And you look back to see where Puck is. Puck sort of comes up next to you. And you look back at the painting. And the deer is no longer jumping over the field. It's dead. And you look at Puck again like, am I seeing that? And you look and the rabbit is now dead. And you blink... And you see the birds are now falling down from the sky. And there's a knock on the door to the the curator's office. Hello, is is there someone out there? And when you look back at the painting, it looks the same as it did when you first saw it. Doris will listen for a while to make sure that that voice was actually based in reality in the... (laughs) In the dimension that she 
finds yourself in at, at most times. <laughs> uh, and you wait, and there's like a, a hello. Is I thought I heard someone out there. Is there? You're not supposed to be in here. Um, <laughs> Doris walks up to the door and turns the knob and just cracks it open so her big her big eyes behind her thick glasses just peek through it <laughs> just like you, you're a, ah! oh <laughs> Doris it's just you and behind the door to the curator's office is Dr. Chanel Brown Sorry, Dr. Chanel Brown Willoughby is her full name. Mm. And she's wearing this uh, navy pantsuit that's got all these, like, colorful patterns um, and has a has a prominent brown afro. She's got these, like, lavishly painted nails. And she's just sort of, like, sitting at her desk. You're not, you're not supposed to be here. That's... It's not a good time. We're not we're not open right now. Greetings, Mrs. Brown. Miss Brown. I don't quite an eventful uh Doctor, please. Past. Yes, yes, no problem. Quite an eventful day you've been having, Miss Brown. I suppose that would be one word for it. Yes, it's been an atrocious day that was <sighs> she like closes her eyes and shudders. Something troubling you besides the body? Is that basically it? Pretty much just the body. Hmm. No, that's... yes. And I'm sure you or your dolls have nothing to do with it. Hmm. She, uh, Doris is still just peeking through the door. She hasn't even entered in the room. <laughs> <laughs> I love that because that means that that uh, Doctor Brown will be like recognizes Doris just from the eyes. <laughs> yeah, just from the eyes. <laughs> like everyone around town knows that they just see a pair of eyes. It's yeah. most likely Doris. It's like a, you know, in like video games, when there's like a sniper aiming at you and you see like the glint yeah. reflecting. Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, her it's glasses like that. do that. <laughs> I. Would you like to come in and talk to me? I don't understand. Why would a doll... What? The door just opens. And then Doris, like, steps in, like, just inside the room. And then she sort of just, like, sidesteps along the wall to get close, a little closer to her. And she goes, yes, let's talk. Well, if you're here, it means your friends aren't far behind. Or they, I'm assuming, just right outside. Last time I checked, they were, um, perfume testing. Uh, like, in town, or are they here, or... No, just just them and old Rick. Young Rick. Ah, Rick, compared yes. Compared to us. <sighs> well, if they're here, we might as well let them in. And she, uh, pulls out a walkie-talkie and says, Rick, just let them in. Bernice is the first one to just plow right through there. <laughs> With her, with her glass, just to say. <laughs> she like kicked it with sloshing. her foot. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, this and- whole time, Margaret has just been aiming her megaphone different directions, still just saying, <laughs> Sheriff! <laughs> Sheriff! <laughs> I told you he's not here. But Dr. Willoughby says you can go in. She points the megaphone directly at him and just, Thank you! <laughs> I, I just, I just want to note. I just want to note. Doris definitely has that, um, that like wire rolled up in, in her, in her little, um, yes. little, little like haversack yes. that she has. Absolutely, yes. 
the rest of you walk in and you see off to the hallway that Doris is talking to Dr. Willoughby. Oh, my dear puck. Maxine immediately goes and scoops up her cat. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. Dr. Willoughby, thank you so much for admitting us. <sighs> yes, yes. Um, I have suspected that you all would poke your noses in this eventually, so... And we promise we'll put an end to this, this horror for you. Look, I... <sighs> I know that nothing I say is going to stop you from meddling and just let the police do their work, please. If they were half as good at it as us, we wouldn't need to do what we do. I don't like it, Tone. (laughs) And now you've offended Bernice. It's not my intention. I just, I, I want them to catch who did this. That's exactly why we're here. Now, what can you tell us about when you found the body? Well, it was this morning, we were opening up the museum, and Dr. Subramanian and I unlocked the doors, and we walked in, and in the middle of the room was Dr. Edward. Did you know him before this point? We had communicated a few times over email. Um, He had asked if he could bring his students here on a field trip to study some of the local history. Justin, did we notice anything peculiar about the shape or the positioning of the body, the outline in chalk? You know, I would say nothing really stands out, right? It just okay. looks like just looks cool. like a body. Cool. It's like your basic, like, one hand pointed south, one hand pointed north. Exactly, yes, <laughs> exactly. The legs pointing, one leg's pointing east and the other pointing <laughs> west. We gotta get all the all the cardinal directions. <laughs> <laughs> so they're doing the sports? They're doing this yeah. bits, and then doing like a disco pose. He died happy. So just your normal then, dead body. It's like a stretched out <laughs> Hamilton sign. <laughs> Died in the Hamilton pose, <laughs> but in splits. But the, like, yeah, the splits. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! So you, you say that you uh, you happen to put the body together? Um, we f- no, we found it like that. Uh, y- y- yes, happened upon it. I, oh, um, sorry. Did you I fail you said English put courses? It together. <laughs> No, I, I thought you said I put the body together and I we found it in one piece. <laughs> no, that'd be silly. Um, no, it would be silly. Now you understand why I was taken aback by her. Yes, because you weren't listening. Um, now, did were his students with him or was he in there alone? Uh, we only found the body. I, I, the students, uh, when they came a few days ago, uh, they all traveled together and... They toured the museum. Um, we've had a couple lectures over the last couple days. Um, they've been staying, as you know, at the bed and breakfast. Uh, but no, the students were not in the museum when we found the body. So their tour was a few days ago. Uh, it's a field trip uh, to study uh, historical uh, art and creations of, of local coastal towns. So... 
it's uh, elective. So the the field trip has been uh, longer than a traditional field trip. It, there have been lectures. Uh, Dr. Subramanian has given a lecture. I've given a lecture. So it's their their tour came the first day, and then they've been around for the last couple days. Sounds like a waste of time. And that is not at all a waste of time. That is very artistic knowledge that they're learning. I agree. I, I mean, I think the artistic value of our collection here is it's it's priceless. And look look around you. Woven into these dolls are thousands of stories. It, it just creates a rich tapestry. Well, I disagree and about this particular museum. Knowledge is never a waste of time. There is such a thing as useless knowledge. I wish less people were like you and more people were like the two of you interested in what we have to say here. Why, yes. I am always interested in any sort of art. What did you think of him and his students? You spent the time with them. Um, let me... So there is... There are three students. Uh, there was Angela. She seemed... Uh, uptight is the nicest way I can put it. Uh, she seemed a little preoccupied with herself. She's probably just intelligent. She seemed very intelligent. It was a bit annoying, although I did appreciate her desire to learn. Uh, then there is David, I believe is his name. Uh, he is, I don't know, he couldn't care less about anything that we were doing here. He, he, like, barely listened to any of the lectures we provided, refused to answer any questions when we called on him. I, to be honest, I don't even know why he's here at all. Did he seem more distracted or aloof? Um... More aloof, like he either didn't care that he wasn't paying attention or didn't want to be here at all. Uh, and then the last one, uh, the last student, I believe her name is Mary. Mary, yes, Mary. Um, she actually seemed also brilliant as well, too. Um, she had told me that she actually wants to become a professor of American studies. So we chatted a little bit about um, some of my work and curating this museum as well. Yeah, they they all seemed like, well, with the exception of David, wonderful students who seemed to take an interest in what they were doing here. The professor himself, uh, Dr. Edwards, he... We, again, as I had mentioned, uh, had chatted a little bit over email uh, and some phone calls to, to sort of plan this trip out. And he seemed perfectly lovely, um, maybe a little bit uh, egotistical, but I think most professors are to some extent egotistical. Now, when, when you and, and Dr. Subramanian left... Uh yeah, the, yesterday. Uh, was there anyone else in the building? How did he get in? Uh, we opened it up together. Yes, now, when you closed it last night, because you had to open it this morning, did, did you leave Dr. Edwards behind inside? I'm, I'm just curious how he got in if you just opened it this morning. 
Uh, I'm trying to also decide at some point during this line of questioning, there should be a meddling move. And I'm trying to figure out when to do that. Ah, you know what? Um, let's do it now. Uh, this sort of encapsulates all of this line of questioning, right? Questioning Dr. Uh, Dr. Chanel. So, Margaret, uh, why don't you... Why don't you roll with meddling and tell me what you want to roll with? Uh, I'd like to roll with reason. I think that makes sense. As a 10. I say 10. Uh, so on a hit, you get a clue and I will tell you what it is. She, uh, Dr. Chanel looks at you, Margaret, and she goes, no, we uh, didn't lock anybody in the museum when we closed it was it was empty we always uh dr supermanian and i always wait till everybody's out uh and then we close it down like normal um and you're sort of like you hear that and you're we're expecting that sort of answer and so you're kind of zoned out a little bit and you're looking around the office and on the um desk on dr chanel's desk you see what looks to be a textbook that has the majority of its cover ripped off and at the very bottom where you would see who wrote the book it says professor james edwards um margaret's gonna step over to the book and try to look as casual as she can but sort of like idly pick it up that sounds a little risky to me uh i think we're we're going into the day move here all right uh what uh what what stat do you think is appropriate i think in this case composure because she's trying to look really like cool. nonchalant about it yeah, really yeah, cool. yeah i dig that yep gotta tell me what you fear first all right uh, well, I fear being caught by okay. Dr. Brown Willoughby. Uh, what did you roll? An 11. An 11. So on a 10 plus, you do it uh, and you hold steady. So describe what it looks like. Um, so Margaret kind of just without saying anything, um, just kind of making it look like she's still just looking around the room and and looking for clues just kind of walks over uh and rests a hand like beside the book and then um it's kind of just like looking around and making it look like she's not looking at anything in particular too closely and then just glances at the book and sort of just picks it up as if it's as if she's not noticing anything in particular about it yeah absolutely um and while the majority of the cover is ripped off, uh, you see not only Professor James Edwards' name, uh, but you see the picture of, uh, it looks like a, a verdant field. Mm. It's like half cut off, like right above the name where Dr. James Edwards' name is. Uh, but the title of the book, you do not see. If I, if I turn the book over, there's nothing on the spine or anything like that. That's smart. 
because most people also put the name of books on the spine. Uh, it is uh, a book called The Modernization of Pastoral America. Uh, and then when you like flip it back, you can see that the like uh, copywriting info for this notes that this book was like just printed. So this must be Dr. Edwards' latest release. Mm. Does um does Dr. Brown seem to be paying any attention to Margaret at this particular moment? No, not more than eleven. Uh then Margaret's going to uh put the book in her purse. Okay. Uh Bernice. What is Bernice doing, if anything? Bernice is walking around, uh trying to get some information, trying to find anything. She's now, can you tell me more about these dolls? Are they just out in the open, or are they in in like glass cases or something? There are some, like the Raggedy Ann doll, that are in cases. The majority of them are uh, pinned to the walls, almost like uh, like uh, when someone <laughs> does that to like insects. You know what I mean? Uh, it's like that, but just the wall is lined with creepy dolls. That's way worse than just being on shelves. It's a lot worse. All right, so if, with any of these dolls that are pinned to the wall, um, are there any like fresh stains on them? Is there anything missing? Is there anything that would be very not too obvious, but uh, obvious to someone like Bernice who's been doing this for a few years to know that this probably is something that just happened. Let's do this. Um, let's have you roll the meddling move. Tell me what ability or stat you think is helpful. I'm going to say reason. I like it. 13. Oh my gosh. Jeez. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> That's what the dice said. That is what the dice said. That means another void clue. Huh, okay. Alright. Of course we get all our void clues in the room full of dolls. I know, it's so good, <laughs> right? You like never get it again. Oh my gosh. Uh okay. Alright, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna give you the real clue and then we're gonna cut to someone else while I think about what the void clue is. Um okay. Bernice, you are looking around uh and it's hard to m- it would it's understandable how this would have been easy to miss because the dolls are a creepy and there's a lot of them so if you're not looking very closely you might just miss this but um towards the front towards the entrance uh one of the dolls head is broken completely open the face like the porcelain part of it or the head just like- is just like completely broken off of the body broken off oh, okay can you g- give me any more clues about this particular doll is it like a raggedy and doll or is it like something else uh this doll is um like one of those like vintage barbie dolls okay discolored and stained by use and time okay uh, are there any um, other questions that anyone has for Dr. Chanel Brown? No? That's fine. Bernice, you're looking at this doll 
and like a uh, a piece of paper sort of like flits past you as if it was blown by the breeze and it kind of like lands next to your hand and you can see that it's a ticket that looks like it's a ticket of entry for here the museum of brindle dolls you look a little bit closer at this ticket and it looks just like it except instead of saying the museum of brindle dolls it says the museum of and then you try to read the next word and your eyes don't make sense of whatever the next word is it's just like lines and symbols and on the museum of the brindle dolls ticket there's like obviously like the a picture of like a a black and white doll Mm -hmm. in this one the doll is hanging by a noose so it just says a museum of like and then a picture of a doll hanging by its noose all right I decide to just slide it into my chest pocket. Um, She has a blouse on. She has a pocket in there, so she'll just stick it in there with her glasses. Okay. For her eyes, not her glasses, for her wine. Um, Yeah. Uh, And it is at this point that you uh, hear the front doors open. Bernice, you're right there. Uh, And in walks Sheriff Noah Clayton. You all know him as the sheriff. And he goes, all right, the six of you, come on, get out of here. You're not supposed to be here. Out, let's go. A uh, quick question, Justin. Was that the void clue that you just gave me? That is a void clue, yes. All right, cool. All right, come on. You'll need us eventually. <laughs> <laughs> Can't we help with this one? Won't you tell us all your clues so far? <laughs> yes, tell us everything you know. It's not like it would take much of your time. <laughs> <sighs> All right, you know what? I will let the six of you talk to the students. Oh, I thank you. You won't regret it, Sheriff. I might. Come on, off to the bed and breakfast. Your treat. <laughs> <laughs> As... As we're all pitter-pattering out, Doris definitely takes, like, she'll pause and look at the painting on her way out and, like, take a a bit of a prolonged uh, look at it for a while. Maybe with, like, a suspicious squint in her eyes. All the animals are alive. Hmm. Suspicious. All right. She'll turn around and walk away. The camera stays on that painting. And there's like a shift in reality as all of the animals are dead in the painting. And we will see you next week as they question the high school students at the bed and breakfast. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Wow. We're going to need to get sick music for this. I know. Wow. I did not expect so many void clues to show up. Was that two? Was that two or four? Well, with with um, the Dale Cooper move at the beginning, uh, that's three all together. We'll we'll rehearse them uh, at the top of next episode, so you all are aware of what clues you've gathered. Awesome. Oh man, that was fun. That was a lot of fun. That was great. Did you guys have fun? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Spooky. It yeah. was spooky, ooky, gooky. It was spooky, gooky. <laughs> yeah. Of course, we had the doll museum first. <laughs> hey, I told you all, all of the pre-written ones, and you're like, the doll one. I'm like, all right, the doll one. <laughs> Let's do it. It is, it is effectively scary. <laughs> it's good. It's yes. very good. It's very good. Um, well, we're having a, a ton of fun playing Brindlewood Bay. It's uh, definitely different from what we normally do with mm-hmm. Avatar Legends. Uh, Steve, you got any words for our listeners? Yeah, uh, this super fun mini series that we're doing is brought to you by, you guessed it, <laughs> the producers of the Flying Bison Podcast. <laughs> uh, you can follow us on Instagram at Flying Bison Podcast. And we'd also love for you to join our amazing community. We've got some amazing people hanging out on Discord, link in the show notes. But most importantly, if you'd like uh, to help us keep the shows coming and you like what we're doing, we want to make even more. Uh, so please just consider supporting us on Patreon. And uh, a little bit goes a long way. And thank you to everybody who already supports us. It's amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah, we want to do more of these little mini series, and supporting some Patreon is the way to get that. So we'll have Avatar alongside extra content. Maybe we'll just uh, keep playing Brindlewood Bay. Maybe we'll just come back to them every every few months. That'd be fun. Too spooky. Um, what? Too spooky. Too spooky. Too spooky. Too spooky. <laughs> Too spooky. I love it. It's like a good <laughs> amount of spooky. Um, all right. Well, we will see you next week as our murder mavens investigate the high school students. All right, everybody. Bye. 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 Brindlewood Bay is a game written by Jason Cordova. The mystery lies in dolls or a very brief tenure was written by Sharon Biswas. Tune in next week as the heart of the void inches closer to our mavens.